I'm Hillary. And I'm Sandra. Coming up on the Quick and the Dirty podcast, we are going to talk about pandemic dating with an actual friend of ours, Marianne Iveson. She has uh, been doing the single thing, living the single life, and uh, trying to do things under the regulations during the pandemic. But the world is opening up. And what does that mean for singles? We're going to talk about it. The Quick and the Dirty Podcast with Hillary Welch and Sandra Plagakis. Hillary, happy fourth anniversary to you, darling. I find it so difficult to believe that I've been putting up with your shit for four years. More like I've been putting up with your shit for the last four years. Four goddamn years that we've been doing this podcast. It's To me, it, it feels like it was kind of just yesterday when we had that initial conversation and we started talking about it. And it's like, yeah, let's do a podcast. Great. Yeah, done. And I remember hanging up going, I think we're doing a podcast now. You know what I love about doing this with you every uh, couple of weeks is that First of all, it forces us to check in, and I love hearing about your life and talking because <laughs> we do live on opposite sides of Ontario. But also, I, you are my dream radio partner. Like, if I could do a show <laughs> with anyone, it would be you. But life has kept us apart, and so here we are. Right, and it's. I love that you said that. Thank you. I'm such a bitch to work with, but I know it's. Oh, it's I, <laughs> Ask all of the men that I've left in my dust, and not just my radio partners, but the men. They're just, I have a swath of destruction behind me, but I don't give two shits. They all deserved it. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> kind of. Yep. Uh-huh. Honestly, Hillary, my, you know, the whole dream about you and I doing a podcast was this, and I will say this out loud in the hopes that maybe our bosses are listening. Um, I don't believe that there is enough female representation when it comes to uh, radio in Canada in terms of all female radio shows. Uh, there really aren't any that I know of in, in Canada, or at least none that I can count on one hand, right? Honestly, every program director I've worked with, even the female ones, always says that men have a difficult time distinguishing between two female voices. So they just get too confused when you put them on air together. Well, we're done making excuses for dudes. Two women can work. (laughs) Also, what kills me about that is that most radio shows that have two dudes they saw, it's exactly the same thing. I can't tell them apart either, but it's different because they're dudes, right? It's Fuck just, the patriarchy, guys. That's it. all I have to say. <laughs> Fuck it. Uh, so, yeah, we started the podcast to get this uh, uh, an all-female voice happening, and we thought it was crucial at the time. We wanted to have all of these conversations with interesting people, and not only have we done that, but I think our lives and where we were and where we are now, we have really come a long way. Like, you had just started dating your guy at the time, didn't you? Yeah, we were, like pretty much not public at the time. We just started. Uh, I was in a newish city, still trying to figure things out, living on my own. Now I'm a fucking housewife. (laughs) (laughs) Hardly. It's like we've switched places. Honestly, Sandra, it's like you and I have, we've, we've completely turned the tables. Well, now I'm single, like somewhere in the last four years. <laughs> um, I mean, you knew off the air that I'd been contemplating, you know, uh, separating from my husband forever. And I finally found the right moment and I did it and it worked out. It worked out great for me. Uh, and 
and you know the kids are thriving everything's different and great and i'm single and oh my god i'm single now <laughs> oh! <laughs> i've i've dreamed of being single for a decade a, a solid <laughs> a, i've dreamed of it so, it's been my go-to fantasy just finally getting the nerve and being single honestly and i this could not have worked out better for our podcast no, I know. <laughs> because, like, you can deal with the single stuff and I can deal with the semi not really married but pretending we're married stuff. <laughs> exactly. It's, things have changed and, and we, I think we've had some good honest conversations about what we want in our lives and who we are. And um, I've, I've, this podcast has helped me learn so much more about I would not know you as well as I do had it not been because of this podcast, not because we're forced to speak, but just the conversations we have on the podcast have taught me a lot about you. Well, you really dive deep into these topics that may be uncomfortable, that may be unfamiliar, and you're forced to, I I find at least that it's helped me reevaluate what I want in this world because we're, we're talking with people from all scopes of the, uh, sort of sexual landscape, so to speak. We really have, yeah. And you, I find it's really fun to kind of pick and choose things that work in your life that align uh, with your values. Totally, absolutely. And not only that, do we, thank you to everybody who has stuck with us from the very beginning because I know we have a couple of OG Quick and Dirty podcast listeners and it, it just means a lot when we get DMs from you or we get a nice review from you. Don't be afraid to keep doing those, by the way. I feel <laughs> like we're going to have to put reviews. out some t-shirts somewhere. <laughs> I know, right? So, like, thank you to you, to you uh, the Quick and Dirty podcast listeners. It, 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 we do it because it's totally self-serving and we get to talk to each other <laughs> and uh, we get to have playtime. But the fact that you want to listen in on it is pretty awesome, too. I love it. Thank you. Oh, thank you so much. And Sandra... I could mm-hmm. not love another human more. Well, next time I see you post pandemic, I'm going to wrap my legs around you and I'm going to I'm going to crack you like a walnut. <laughs> I feel like this is going to be a viral TikTok. <laughs> going to snap my bestie. <laughs> I love you. I love you too. So today we're joined by uh, someone I've been friends with for probably 10 years, and both Sandra and I have also worked with her. She's a radio host and woman of worldly things. Does that sound sexy? I don't know. (laughs) And she's got crazy, crazy strong thighs. That's what I can say about our guests, because I admire them often on social media. And a a very, very rock-hard ass. Please welcome Marianne Iverson. Hello, ladies. I think the kids call it thick nowadays. Oh, no. I I look at you, Marianne, and I know you could 100% crack walnuts with those thighs of yours. You are are the most athletic person. I sit on the couch, like, and I eat my little Snickers bars, and I look at your feed, and I just feel shitty about myself because... (laughs) You are a hiker and you've hiked Mount Kilimanjaro. You hike all the mountains and then you're like on top of the mountains. And then you, then you, in the wintertime, I see you doing stupid shit like cross country skiing and snowshoeing. <laughs> I'm what the fuck is she doing? And now but, she's biking. What the fuck, oh, Marianne? God, Marianne, you are unbelievable. Thank you. So, That's, you guys are so good for my ego. This is nice. <laughs> <laughs> 
So, Marianne, uh, we've lived through, uh, well, I try to forget it, but we've lived through about a year of a pandemic, Ugh. a little bit over, and the uh -huh. world kind of shut down, and you just happened to be single during that period. So, we thought that this would be like a great opportunity to talk about that single experience firsthand from that point, and then how you're feeling like moving into the new world as things start to reopen. I have to ask, how how deep did you have to dig in your Rolodex? Because everyone has a Rolodex now. Uh, how deep did you have to dig to find a single 30-something-year-old in, <laughs> in this whole situation? Because I feel like a lot of people have shacked up over the last year. Oh, well, if they have, Marianne, they're shacking up with people out of desperation, not because it's a good relationship. It's just like <laughs> you, it's, it's like you, you, you find your thunder buddy and you just hang on to them for a little while. But there's going to be a crazy breakup. In the, I'm telling you, everybody's going to break up this summer for the whoring 20s. You're going to see. So I have a fear. So this is, a, like, this is how I'm moving forward. So it's not necessarily 2021, but I'm calling it the great... Uh, divorces of 2022 the great dad divorces of 2022 that's what i'm looking forward to so you're because, you're because yeah, she's going to take up all the divorced dads that, that have been cut <laughs> to the well i i got one for you marianne if you want <laughs> that's a, maybe that's a, maybe a little too close your your first husband maybe not my uh, okay maybe not my cup of tea sorry sandra <laughs> she was yeah different different situation so it, it is a, has it been weird for you being single during this pandemic? Like, just explain uh, sort of what your experience was. Like, was it difficult? Did you enjoy that time for yourself? What did it feel like to be single with all this going on in the world? So to give you perspective of what kind of maybe my life looks like. So I actually, uh, a relationship ended probably last fall. So I guess I've been single for, you know, almost, almost a year at this point. But it's been, because um, I live alone, I live in like a small little one bedroom in downtown Ottawa. Um, the good news is I have like a great support system and I have wonderful friends. But it's so, it's so weird because everyone has, especially through lockdowns, everyone has their own bubbles and their own people that they, that they stay close to. So I've had probably one consistent friend and she's kind of in the same scenario that we like hug or like go for a hike or a run or a ski or whatever, probably once a week. But otherwise, it's um, you. You both know that I'm I'm a very extroverted social person, so it's a combination of enjoying my quiet time and my downtime, and then the opposite problem of I'm like, why am I so sad? Why do I feel so drained? Why do I feel? It's because I haven't had any social interaction. Like for the most part, I've I would say I've spent the majority of the past of pandemic alone, right? And then. Um, in February, like I like I lost my job, so it was a whole other spiral of trying to like navigate that too. And you know, you kind of lose your coworkers and you lose that social aspect of it too. So it's just a combination, well, and it's just a it's kind of been a hole to be honest. And it's all the coping mechanisms. Like I know when I would go through breakups in the past, or you'd go through a life change like a job loss, you call on your friends and because you're such an independent person, you don't really like latch on to one person. I know you probably do it the same way I am. And you're like, I'll just get busy. So I'll like, I'll go out with this friend this night and this person that night and keep myself busy and like just move on with life. But that wasn't really possible for you. So what did you do to move through that? There's, I have a couple, like I would say drastic different ends of the spectrum. So 
Um, it was a combination where, like, I'm not I'm not a huge drinker by any means, but I was having. Who who knew that like people were drinking the last year? Uh, Sandra, <laughs> specifically, have you had a drink? Hey, don't look at me, Marianne. <laughs> I had a couple. I had a couple. Yeah, 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 for sure. Uh, so I've uh, I've definitely maybe been drinking more than usual, dabbling in, in marijuana and all that. Like you know, trying a little bit of edible, trying a little bit of smoking, whatever that is. Any mechanism just to, just to try to bring me down to a level of just like calm, like stay me off the the anxiety. So I would say there's definitely like actual like substances, but it hasn't been out of control. I don't have an addictive personality towards that stuff. But then, you know, of course there's food and like comfort food and like chips and candy. And so I've definitely put on like a few pounds, which is, which is fine because then I also have this whole other side of me where I really dive into like athletics. So I'm like, I feel really strong right now, like on the bike. And I feel just really strong in general, even though I have a few more pounds on me, I'm trying to be as self-forgiving and self-loving as possible. So luckily one of my addictions is exercising. <laughs> so it's not, I would it's fucking not kill for that. Level. When you kill right. for that, Hillary, I would wish I could exercise. <laughs> I can't even emotionally get myself. Uh, anyway. I, yeah. The fact yeah. that you even do it is so impressive to me. And that yeah. you like like doing it and not cry every time like I do. <laughs> I have had the amount of times that I've like cried on a hike or cried on a bike ride or actually the way I got over my breakup or one of my coping mechanisms from last um, last August was I came home I saw my family like especially when there was a lot of cases and I biked 160 kilometers. That's how I dealt. That's how I dealt with my breakup. <laughs> but you know what? That's probably the most positive way to deal with a breakup, honestly, in, in terms of getting your endorphins going. It's healthy. Uh, I mean, good for you. Yeah, and everyone yeah. Has, their, has their own ways. And But I would say like, I'm, I'm lucky that I have that drive and it's something I'm passionate about and I don't have to really think about it. But, uh, but, but I have had, a, of course, weeks and times where I can barely get out of bed, too. And just, and, and that's just the way it is. And, but again, finding the self-love and the self-compassion and reaching out to people and not being terrified of that has been number one for me. I don't think your story is, is, I mean, aside from the fact that you, you know, you, you did lose your job, you, uh, you were single during the pandemic and you live alone. I don't think your story is that dissimilar from many, many other people who have had a shitty pandemic as well. Um, well, even with people yeah. who live with other people, like I live with a, a family of three, 50% of the time. Yeah. And sometimes even in your own home, you can feel alone just because you're yeah. so sick of each other. You're in different rooms and nobody's talking. And, and it's, it's like being lonely together, if that makes sense. I've heard that over and over again from people who say like, how are you, you know, how are you feeling? Are you feeling lonely? They're like, sometimes even though like I love my partner, or I love my family, I still feel alone. I've heard that so many times from people who are in very healthy relationships and have great families too. So I know that feeling of alone seems to be not just physically alone, but sometimes just emotionally alone and, and navigating all this bullshit and lockdown and uh, just like the social pressure and like the divide right now, I think is just heavy for everyone. 
So what about online dating? Because it seems to me oh, that God. that would be, in many ways, a great way to kill time. You know what I mean? To go online, <laughs> uh, talk to new people. Uh, I, I think that when you talk to new people, you get those endorphin rushes. Uh, and it's exciting to get attention, even from strangers sometimes, especially during a pandemic. Were you um, doing a lot of online dating? So what I do is I just take a picture of my ass and just put it on a dating app. <laughs> yeah, you did. Got a girl. You should if you haven't. Yeah, I didn't even, yeah, even my face. I just put a picture of my butt as my profile picture. So did you date? Did you do a lot of dating or a lot of talking anyway to people? Uh, the past, I would say. I, I so I've been off, on and off dating apps. So like I don't I don't know how much you guys know about them. So there's like Bumble, there's Hinge, there's Tinder, there's there's like a few different options. Uh, have you tried any, have either of you tried those? No. Oh. Uh, I dabbled in like the beginning of Bumble before I met my partner on Tinder. Yeah, it happened. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I was like, I didn't you meet him on, you met him on the, on a dating app, right? Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, they're all kind of the same ish, but I was just curious, like, I remember those days of online dating and I feel like it would be so much more difficult now because part of the allure of people online was hearing about all the cool things that they were doing in, in their life and like having conversations about the, the ways that their lives are interesting, but nobody's interesting right now. How no does one, that work? No one's interesting. So I've been like off and on them. So I go through almost like a cycle, like I'll go on for 48 hours, hate my life and then delete it. And then a couple of weeks goes by and I go back on, see what's out there. Same people, like former coworkers, people I've like turned out. Like you just, it's kind of been this <laughs> terrible cycle. And honestly, like I was talking to Sandra even before our interview about this, that like this, this is my own, like I don't know the actual stats on this, but my, in my experience, 50% of the guys that I was talking to were either anti-mask or like anti-vaccine or just didn't care. They're like, oh, no, I've been hanging out with family and friends as per usual. I'm like, oh, people, these people actually exist because my normal circle, most of my friends and family are very, have been very careful over the past year. So to see that happen, like, so that's an, obviously an immediate block. But the fact that they're like out there and broadcasting it and saying, yeah, no, like, I don't believe in masks. I'm, there was one guy who said, I haven't worn a mask this entire time. What? I'm guessing, like, you know what I just think is if, there's a pandemic and you're not wearing a mask. I know you're not wearing a condom if we have sex. <laughs> like, it's just like the two are connected. 100. So, it, you know what it adds? It almost adds a whole other element of red flag that we didn't have a year, a year and a half ago. Because, like, you know, there's so many reasons not to, like, to, just to swipe the leather direction. But, like, it almost adds a whole other, like, social pressure and dynamic to dating someone or not to like someone or to have the same values. It's almost like a new value system. Like, do you believe in vaccines? Do you, are you like, have right. you worn a mask? Have right. you been careful? As soon as you, you find an anti-masker, thing. it's like, yeah, you're a fucking douchebag. See you later. Bye. And, and it, they've done you a favor. But it's so hard because even if they're a, like a decent person and you get on like gangbusters to have to like bring them around people, 
I find that part of dating really hard because, you know, we all make sacrifices for somebody who's cool and like excuses or whatever. Yeah. But, you know, eventually the world will open up and you have to bring this person in front of other people. And are you OK with saying, yeah, they're a dickhead that doesn't believe in masks or vaccines like you can't. No, no way. That That's like a hard that's a hard line for me is. If you have been, if you've acted like an asshole the past year, that is like, that's a hard line and a hard value for me. So it almost weeds out most of them already. So I would say that is a big difference in the past year. It has a whole other dynamic to conversations. And at this, and right now, people even put in their profiles, like, if you, if you have worn a mask or if you have your vaccine, like, don't talk to me or the other way around, like, don't talk to me unless you've had your first vaccine. So it adds like this whole other pressure and this whole other box to tick, which honestly maybe is probably a blessing in disguise because you know what kind of character that person has already. And if they're like a QAnon follower, (laughs) I don't want to date that kind of person. So now your dating pool is getting smaller and smaller and smaller as we weed out the dickheads. And so now you've, okay, so you've got a smaller dating um, pool than you thought you had. What are those groups? What is that group looking like? So that group's looking like, so it's so interesting to date in your 30s compared to your 20s because you realize, and for me, and like every woman has their, and every person has their own preference, but for me, I'm realizing like, oh, if I exclude fathers from my list, that is I'm taking away probably 75% of people on this dating app. It's, it's like, that's just the way it is now. And then the other side of things, if you meet a guy who's 40, never been married, doesn't have kids, you're like, what's wrong with them? <laughs> so it's the Honestly, other way around too. Does that, like, does that I remember sense? exactly being in that situation. Like when I met my partner, I was still in the zone where I was contemplating kids, but I, I kept meeting like these losers and then I meet this perfect guy who doesn't want to have any more kids, but I haven't had kids. It's such like a, I feel like it's the in-between, honestly, where the younger ones don't have their shit together and the older ones, they're like kind of done. And it's very confusing. How are you feeling moderating all of that? It's almost like kind of a fun learning process because I've had video dates, I've gone on walks with, I've interacted with it takes a lot for me to get to that pro- like to that stage where I actually meet someone, but we can talk about that after what the weeding out process looks like. But <laughs> I'm realizing that I'm open to dating dads. You, I, and Hillary, I'd love to hear your perspective too on this because it's almost like this whole other world that I know nothing about. I don't have kids, but it's almost like they almost seem more mature. They almost seem like they had to grow up faster. But then you also realize that you will never be the top priority right? So, or that's how, Oh yeah. <laughs> so I'm re- so I'm learning that too. But so I think whether you're, whether the person's single or whether he has kids, I think at the end of the day, do you get along? Do you have the same values? Are you on the same page? Are you honest with each other? I, that like, I think it's more about personality and do you blend more than anything, but I am at this point open to exploring dating fathers and seeing if I like it or not. Like, I'm not going to just write that off. End of the day, it's all about communication. Because if you, mm-hmm. if you have really good communication, you can get through any of that and get through the expectations and what your life is going to look like. But if you can't have those difficult conversations with somebody, just don't even bother because it's going to be a nightmare going forward. 
Can you share some of maybe the benefits of dating a father versus someone who's who's single, like in their 30s or 40s? Uh, I, I don't know, like, how things have changed with the pandemic, but I will say, like, for me... Um, you just have to check yourself on the regular, honestly, because when you're dating in your, your 30s and you're dating somebody who's never been married or whatever, the expectation is that in those early stages, you are their world. Like, they need to put you first and make you feel special. Um, but when you're dating a dad, it's, it's like a catch-22, because you also want to be important and you want them to make you feel amazing. But mm-hmm. if they ever put you before their kids, you're like, you're dead to me. Because if we have ki- children together, the fact that you put a woman before your children, how dare you? Right. Like, well, like, and it says weird, a lot about but... their character. Right. But then you're also like, at the same time, I also want to be your number one priority. Right. <laughs> it's like a, a head game with yourself, right? <laughs> Aww. It sounds like no one can win. That's what that sounds like. No one can win. Well, it just, it, it's a lot of those moments where you're just checking with yourself. Like, yes, mm-hmm. my, my shit's kind of in a knot because we couldn't go on a date this week because his kid got sick. Also, if a father wasn't there for their kid, I would hate them. So it's. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Can I tell you guys something it's... honestly about about uh, my reality being a woman who is of a certain age that shall never speak his name? Yeah. Uh, but uh, now that I'm living, <laughs> now that I'm single, and eventually I'll start. I don't know how it's going to play out, but the the the, the, the chances are I'm going to meet a guy who who has kids, and they're going to be grown up kids. Because my kids are eighteen and twenty, and ch- unless I go young, which you know I never, I, I don't like them young. So um, <laughs> I really don't. I uh, so I don't fucking like anybody else's kids. I don't want to fucking know them. I don't care. <laughs> it's that bad. I don't want to live in a world where I have to develop a relationship with somebody else's kids because I don't give a shit. I only give a shit about my kids, and that's the truth. I've never liked anybody anybody else's kids. Is that terrible? Right. You know? Well, I no. think it's like, it's different when you're dealing with younger ones too. And I feel like there's like a threshold to make a, a proper relationship. Well, not a proper, but like more of a parental relationship versus just like a, an acquaintance relationship. Right. It's too much pressure, I feel like, to put on on anybody because, you know, Marianne, whether you meet a young father or an older father, uh, if you get ever get into a scenario where those kids don't like you, my God, what kind of pressure that does that put on the relationship with the dad? <laughs> ooh, 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 I can answer. <laughs> Hillary, would you like to take this one? Hillary, Go ahead. Hillary, Hillary, it's your, yeah, yeah. You got this. It, it's not easy, but you also have to understand that they're, they're frigging kids, right? Yeah. And they go through stages. I'm not talking about, like, people in their 20s. And all of their own baggage is wrapped up in the relationship between their parents. And so you just have to know, like, it's never personal. And that was, like, a really really big eye-opener for me when when our eldest reached sort of, like, the preteen years and started to push back. And, like, uh, her identity was kind of wrapped up in her parents' marriage. And so, like you just have to take yourself out of it. And it's really hard too, because I'm never going to have kids of my own. And I, I mean, you're young enough, Marianne, that that's still on the table for you. But by the time we'd kind of settled and figured it out, it was 
like, I, I mean, technically I could still have kids, but we're just mentally not there. And, uh, and so that added this weird pressure to develop these sort of maternal relationships that I think I took too seriously. And when I was able to like sort of disengage from those relationships and really think about myself as a step, as a, a side adult figure, that became a lot healthier, like so much more healthy. In fact, the kid wasn't the problem. I was the fucking problem. <laughs> so <laughs> all you I can think really address just, is your, sorry, go ahead. I, no, go ahead. Yeah, absolutely. All, all you can really adjust, I guess, is your own. You, I guess you can't really expect a, like a preteen to adjust their, their attitude, I guess you can only really, maybe tell me if I'm wrong, but like, I guess you can only really adjust as an adult, your own expectations and your own attitude and your own emotions, right? Like that's the only thing you can really control versus someone else's child who you're getting to know. Yeah. And I think that's also things change as, as we go on. Like when I met the girls, I thought we had caught it young enough that there wasn't going to be a lot of strife. Like they were seven, uh, eight and six actually when mm -hmm. I met them. And so like it felt soon enough to make that relationship, but there's still memories and a lot of other stuff and, and not every situation's the same, but the dad stuff adds a level of amazingness, but also because you know what you're going to get, you know that they're already like a great dad at that point. That's the other awesome part about dating dads, Marianne. You if know, you can already see them with their kids and you're like, yeah, you're not a loser. Yeah. And you know, what's in you know, what's interesting is um, any dads I have talked to and we talk about like, at what point would you become from leading? Like, not that I got to that point, but they would say like I wouldn't want feel comfortable introducing you to my child like to my kids until um, I knew it was going somewhere or at least some had hard and fast rules of like no sooner than six months or it was just so interesting to navigate that and then there were some dads who had kids who were like you know toddlers and then some who had kids who were like twenty and only like ten years younger than me and it's such a wide <laughs> wide range of of situations too. I got a question for you about um, <laughs> uh, older men because um, uh -huh. I'm sure that you um, have pretty much seen it all in terms of your age. No, no listen. She's talking about wieners. No. <laughs> okay. Okay. Uh, I don't, okay. I, I don't know how to phrase this because I have a friend. He's in his late 40s and he's single and he's gone on the dating apps. And you know what he says about women who are my age? or our, our age, basically, he says women our age are either broken or crazy because they have, they have um, usually been through a major relationship, a breakup, they have kids, they're single, and then they're, you know, uh, like me, long-term marriages that end, and now they're, they're starting a new chapter. And he says it's incredibly difficult to be in your late 40s and to be dating because the dating pool is so friggin' tiny. Uh, what's it like to be 32 and dating because, I mean, you talk about it being problematic and I think, is it though? Like, because it seems like to... you have all the options. Right, exactly. You could go like late 20s to 50. Exactly. <laughs> you have way more options than I do. So let's just say that my, okay, this maybe will give you an example. So my, so you can like set a threshold of the age of what you're looking for, right? Right. So mine is, so I've decided that going younger is maybe not what I, what I want. So I'll do like maybe a couple years younger. So I'll do like 30 to like 50. <laughs> so 
<laughs> That's <laughs> it's a wide. Twenty years is a wide range. It is a wide but range, like, and I'm just wondering. But there's like old fifty and young fifty, right? Like it depends on the person, and that's why you can't narrow it down. Well, it's funny because you'll see, so like you'll be swiping through. It's kind of like window shopping. It's super weird, but you're swiping through, and you'll see someone who's 45 who looks 35, and you'll see someone who's 32 who looks 50. So it's a matter of like, how are they taking care of themselves? Have they like smoked? Have they drank too much? Do they, you know, there's so many different factors, and I've learned that. Men can be immature at any age. <laughs> so I have Amen. To, but I like to think, okay, so I like to think, this is how I'm, my positive brain thinking, that if myself, like if a 32-year-old, I would say mostly, mostly successful, mostly sane person, an emotionally intelligent person is out there, there has to be like a male equivalent of me. That's how I'm thinking about it, that there has to be some, like, whether he's, you know, 40 or 30, there has to be people out there who are cool and wonderful. But then it adds that, like, there may be those people I have met actually, like, just in the past when I've gone on dates before, I've met some really wonderful men, but there's no chemistry. So it's almost like a lottery. Like, you may meet someone who, or you may talk to someone who you really get along with, but you don't know if that chemistry is there until you actually until you're actually with them and you see their mannerisms and you see they are. So I am, I am hopeful, but I have moments of there is no one out there. Every man has like, and I'm just stereotyping, but like, it seems like every man my age has commitment issues and they're like, I'm not sure yet. And uh, so I, I, I sway in between Sandra. I sway between like, there's no one out there. I'm going to be alone forever, which is so dramatic. And I think I'm hopeful, and I think there's probably someone out there for me that I could build a relationship with. Of course there is somebody out there with you. They're, they just may not be on the dating apps right now. That's all. It's yeah. all timing, right? Like, and yeah. where they're at. Like, they may be on the dating apps, but maybe they're not healed yet. Or yeah. it's all, like, find the right time, right person, right type of crazy. We're all crazy. Can I tell you one of the best things about dating apps that has made it easier to weed people out? Yes. And like kind of the process is it's so easy now, especially when we were in like when you're we're not opening up quite yet. But it's so easy to be like, yo, I'm not. Com- I don't say yo, but I'm so comfortable. With, uh, <laughs> okay, like good. Because they would like mm, she's out. <laughs> yo. <laughs> Pre- pre-pandemic, you may like text a little bit and then meet for a coffee or meet for a drink or something but now it's okay we're talking a little bit maybe we talk on the phone but it's almost easier to be like can we do a video chat because then you can remove all the things like does the person does the person look like their picture do is there some conversational chemistry like you can learn a lot from a video chat and it's a great excuse and so much less time wasted Instead of, like, getting ready, going out, instead you just, like, get pretty for the screen, you chat with this person. If it isn't going well, you say, I don't feel it, X. Like, I love the, like, pre-screening video chat because it removes, like, so many questions can be answered in so little time without, yeah, without wasting your time. I got to ask you, Marianne, about how do you cut somebody loose? Because the old way, a lot of of people choose to ghost, but how do you, like, do you actually look at them in the face and say, yeah, I'm not feeling it, Bob. See you later. Have a nice life. Like, how does that go when you cut somebody loose? Uh, it's usually easy through text. Um, so I've definitely ghosted before. I know that's rude, but it's mostly people. I've never just, like, disappeared or I don't think I've just disappeared with someone who I've 
spent like weeks talking to or texting, like I've built some kind of rapport with, I try to be as honest as possible. Uh, but I have ghosted people who I've had short conversations with and I just don't feel it and I don't feel like it deserves anything. Um, but actually a girlfriend sent me like a standard reply that she <laughs> she types to, to guys, but essentially it's like, uh, and it's happened to me too. And where people are like, Hey, I'm not feeling this romantically. Good luck. And like, good luck. But most people take it really well. It's essentially like, it was nice to meet you. Thanks for the coffee. Or like, it was nice to video chat with you, but I'm not feeling it. So 99% of the time it's just over text quickly. Cause I haven't, I haven't gone on enough. Like I barely make it past date one or video chat one to like actually be able to sit down with someone and tell them it's not working. Like I haven't been yeah, to that point yet. I feel like yet. if you go on three dates, that deserves a phone call. One or two dates, you can break up by text. Yeah, that's all I've done so far is either just like, hey, I'm not feeling it. But I love the closure of it. I love the finality of it instead of like a couple of weeks go by and someone's like, hey, are we still, you still want to hang out? No, no, I want to. I just want to like close a chapter and move on. Have you ever uh, tried to let somebody off easy and they have not taken it well? Um, or been I dicks had, about what, it? Uh, I've only had one. I've only had one dick. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Hello. <laughs> Hello. Uh, I've only had one guy try to gaslight me. Um, otherwise most people have taken it really well and really, I, I think most people are quite mature about it, which is surprising. But at that point, I know I like that person's character enough that they'll usually take it well or the other way around. Cause I've never really taken it too personally if someone said the same thing to me. Um, but I had one guy who, what, like something for me is especially early on, if you're, t- if you're texting, like if you say you're going to text or if you say you're going to call, then do that. Like, don't set expectations and then not follow through. Like, that's like a hard line for me. And I know mm-hmm. people get busy. I know things happen. But if early on you say you're going to do something and don't do it, that's a huge red flag for me. Yeah, because so, it only goes downhill from there. Hello. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> that's actually really good, Mary. And that's uh, so true. It's so disappointing when someone says, even, even when you've known someone a long time and they say, yeah, call you later. But that's just what they fucking say. They're not actually going to do it. But it tells you a lot about a person if they don't follow through. So what happened? So I had, so he's like, Hey, I'll, I'll text you tomorrow. We'll catch up. And I said, perfect. We had had a great conversation on the phone. The next day happens. He doesn't text. I just like, don't worry about it and keep moving on. And he texts me maybe three or four days later and says, what's up? Like nothing's wrong. And I just, honestly, it wasn't me trying to like shut him down. I was just pointing it out and said, you said you were going to text and you didn't. And I didn't like that. That's like pretty much all I, all I wrote. And he wrote me back and said, well, I think you're being dramatic. First of all, he said, I'm sorry, but <laughs> I'm sorry, but I think you're being dramatic. We barely Which know means each other. I'm not fucking sorry. <laughs> exactly. I'm sorry, but is not a sentence. Is that valid? So it was by saying, I'm sorry, but you like, we barely know each other for you to have like expect that from me. And then I pretty much, and then I just said, I'm out. <laughs> like you so told me to have that expectation, crazy. you idiot. <laughs> right. So that's maybe the worst that has happened. Otherwise, it's been like very civil, and I've had a really good luck for the most part. But I've had, I've had friends who have been catfished. Do you guys know what that is? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. We've done an episode on it. It's uh, terrifying, actually. Yeah. Yeah. I've had friends who've been who've been catfished. Um, 
I've had friends who were like led on completely and they were just totally different men than they were. So I haven't been down that hole enough to be totally traumatized by that. So um, actually I've heard a story. It was one of the guys I, I got on a date with. So I'd love, I'd love to hear what you think on this specific event. Um, so a guy had like his friend had been on a date from like Bumble or whatever it was and had a wonderful time with this woman and had a really good connection. And they were about to lay, they were making out in the car. It was getting hot and heavy. And he reaches down and realizes that the woman was pre-transition. Oh. Yeah. And was mostly just upset. And like, I, like Sandra specifically, I would love to hear your, your thoughts on this, but I think like the person felt betrayed that they didn't know that this person still technically had a penis even though they were dressed oh, as a, like a woman. Yeah. Isn't it? It's such a hard thing. Like, do you flag the play or? Yeah. Well, I mean, uh, it's hard to say because I've never had the, I mean, uh, again, so I guess for anyone who doesn't know, I have a transgender child. So this is, yeah. I know people ask me like I'm some kind of an expert on the subject, but I've always thought yeah, yeah. if you're dating, whether you are transitioning, whether whatever your story is, if you're not completely honest on the get-go, I don't think it's going to serve anybody well on the back end of anything. So, yes, I well, think that if you're transitioning or whatever, I think it's incumbent on you to tell your story and be honest with the people that you date. Right. Because if you're not open, that speaks to your own level of comfort. Yeah. And if you're not comfortable with where you're at, maybe you're not ready to be in a dating situation. Well, I know that a lot of people who are transgender are protecting themselves from an, a very shitty fucking dating situation sometimes. Yeah. Where you have a lot of people who fetishize uh, people who are transitioning and, and you know, pff, that's, that's ne not necessarily where anybody wants to be. But, uh... I, I, I find it unfortunate that somebody wouldn't be honest because that you're just in for a world of hurt at that point. I do say I have to, like, I have to give it to people who I see on these apps who either say, like, I, I've seen people who are transitioning and are very open about it. Maybe it's not for me, but, like, I appreciate that people are open about it. And then you see people who are polyamorous or are in an open relationship who are honest about it or... I've seen actually couples who I know, who I didn't know before seeing them on the app, that they were open, they had an open relationship. So I have to say, like, it may not be for me. It may not be what I want. But I have to give it and give, like, kudos to people who are just saying, hey, I'm in a polyamorous relationship, and this is what I want. This is what I need. So I, I give kudos to people who are just straight up honest and of expectations and of what they yeah. want. Just like the anti-maskers, they're, they're weeding out all the people that are not interested. Yeah, right. I really do feel for the transitioning community, though, because like they're literally in the wrong body, and yeah. like I think that there's a, a certain sense of uh, not denial, but like they don't want to. And I'm making an assumption here because I'm not uh, I'm not somebody who's who's going through that, but I would imagine that there are a certain amount of people that don't want to deal with the fact that they have the wrong tools themselves, right? Like, to admit that would be awful. Yeah. And so, like, I, I really feel for them. But it does create, like, as, as somebody on the other side, like, how do you prepare yourself to be sensitive and open and lovely and say the right things? Like, there's a lot of pressure there because we all want to believe that we're, we're good people. 
but sometimes we don't handle situations right. the best. Well, can I just tell you that I had a girlfriend many, many years ago. She was recently single. Uh, she and her husband had split. And, you know, she's in her mid-30s at the time. And she went out on a date with some guy. What a fucking loser. He literally, they sat down. They had a drink. He excused himself to go to the washroom and never came back. Oh, oh that's a dick. Meryl. I was just like... What's his name? I'm going to get him. Uh, to right. me, that would be, I don't think I could emotionally handle that if someone literally did that to me. And when she told me that, we laughed about it at first. And then I thought, how fucking shitty to be sitting in here and have that guy not at least just pay the tab and say, hey, I'm not feeling it and, and leave. But to actually make, like, make her wait there like a, like a douche. Oh, Fuck, that makes like, me yeah. mad. Yeah, like there's a classy way to do it in that like, hey, you're a really nice person, but not somebody I want to fuck. Like, <laughs> Fine, fair enough. <laughs> and that happens. Exact, yeah. right. I think that's the exact verbiage you should use. Yeah, too. you're not someone I want to fuck. See ya, <laughs> bye. <laughs> so I do have to ask Marianne, like how sure. long do you give the opportunity to build chemistry? Because last podcast we were talking with um, Logan Yuri from Hinge, mm -hmm. and she was talking about how you should give it a couple of dates before you throw it out because there's no chemistry. If, like, they're a nice person and there's good conversation, but you're just not, like, physically into them, like, give it a couple of dates to just make sure because sometimes that can grow. Uh, so are you asking me, like, how how much leeway do I give? <laughs> Yeah, like, well, like, do you know right away it's like a no, like, I mean, we all have our no-goes, but if somebody is just not quite, like, your type, how much time do you give it, like, it, as long as there's chemistry in some other sort of sense? You may have to ask me again in a few months how I feel about, about this, because at this moment, I'm very much in a mindset of, I, I'm, I, I base a lot of decisions on gut feeling, and I base a lot of decisions just on... um yeah, how I feel about someone and uh, the way it feels. So uh, at this moment, I'm very much into don't, I don't want to fucking waste my time. So if I don't feel something or if I don't feel like I want to like kiss this person or even explore that, then that's a no-go. But I feel like, I think there is some leeway for being nervous. Um, I think if I walk out of it and say, I think I want to see that person again, then that that's a good thing. So I base it a lot on gut and I think this is worth another chance or worth another shot. So I think there's some leeway, but I haven't really, at this point, I'm very cut and dry. And if I don't feel something, I just kind of cut loose. <laughs> maybe rather than <laughs> Marianne, what do you think your dating life is going to look like in six months? What do you think the, the whole, well, I mean, assuming six months is the, the, the time frame we're working with for sure. everyone to be vaccinated, things to open up a little bit. I'm assuming that um, the world of online dating is going to change considerably. And how, how are you preparing yourself for that? And are you, and are you emotionally ready to actually go yeah. out on in real life yeah. dates again? Like, do you have I, a yeah. set of rules that you've set out yeah. for yourself as things yeah. open? So I think there's gonna be a lot more viruses to worry about than what we've been dealing with. <laughs> so lately. safe sex. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, so I think, you know, that's definitely going to be, um, top priority, right, is to be as safe as humanly possible and continuing those practices, right? But I think, like, it's going to be interesting even the next 
few months throughout the summer because people started to get their first vaccination, people start getting their second vaccination. So I think once like most people have got their second doses or the majority, and I know I have, I think it's going to go back to meeting people much sooner and let's go to a bar, let's go have a drink, let's go have a coffee, less hesitation about like touching people. Uh, I haven't thought that far ahead yet to know any ground rules, but I think think that by then I'll be more relaxed and more open and more even more ready for love because right now there's still lots of reservation and there's lots of still trying to figure out what makes me happy and what I want in my life in general. So I think it'll be maybe a spiritual awakening. Hopefully it'll be really, I, I want to have fun with it. I want to like meet great people and have great conversations, whether it's romantic or not. I think that's exciting. It's just being able to meet people and having social interaction. And like, like you too, I'm sure like you meet people and like, if you just hit it off, it, like that just feels good. So I'm looking forward to just hanging out with people without a reservation of a mask or six feet apart or X, Y, Z. Yeah, I've come to realize I- that, you know how some people have really good, they, they're, they can, they speak through their eyes. I've come to realize that my eyes are dead and that when I'm wearing a mask, you, you no one can read me. So I need those she masks to come boobs. off. You know, yeah. I mean? <laughs> you know, when you can tell yeah. somebody is smiling, you can't tell when I'm smiling through my mask because my eyes remain dead. So it's, oh. it's funny. Yeah, the masks are coming off are going to be good. I, I, I'm looking- I have to ask because you are so athletic and we know you for loving all of these like you like to get out there and do stuff when it comes to meeting somebody how important to you is it that you share those activities or are you okay with meeting somebody that doesn't share those activities if that becomes your you time there is something very kind of and I'm sure you guys both have it too there's something maybe sacred about your time spent of something that you like doing so there is definitely, a, I want to always continue to have my independent time, even, you know, just reading or being athletic or being outside and doing something fun for myself. Like that will always be a priority for me because it's for my physical, emotional and mental health by far. Like that's always going to be a priority, but I don't need someone who can maybe do everything with me. I think it's nice to have your own, your own separate interests. But I want someone who will, want to, who will want to do fun things with me and want to try. So, like, let's go for a hike. Let's enjoy time together outside. That's really important to me. Or at least appreciate but it. climbing Kilimanjaro, ask- I can do that on my own. I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. But I, think, I think having shared interests um, and shared values in that way can definitely make the bonds better. Like I've made the most beautiful friendships from sharing big experiences like that and sharing hikes together and bike rides and and all those things. So I think that it's necessary that someone at least wants to try and do those things for me. But I also appreciate when people have their own loves and their own passions that drive them and we can have our separate time together. So, um, you looking forward for all this shit to be over, Marianne? Or, or because I'm, I don't mind it. <laughs> to be honest with you, I've been saying that I this pandemic has made forced me to simplify my life in many ways, and it needed to be simplified because I was, mm-hmm. I was, I was never home pre pandemic. I was never yeah. home. I was out. I was busy. I was disorganized, and my life was um, just so busy. It was one thing after another, and it's forced me to slow down and take stock of who I am, what I want, all of those things. W- what is this? pandemic taught you? 
priorities, I think that's kind of, I think that's on top of everyone's mind is what's important to you. Uh, so sharing time with people that I love is, is the top priority and, you know, not wasting time with people that I don't want to like, that are just mediocre, I guess, in my life or people who I just don't want to waste time and not spend time with. So I would say that uh, for me personally, navigating and figuring it out, what, what do I want to do for a career? And what do I, like, I, like I said, I was in radio for 12 years and at this moment, I don't want to like make anything official, but at this moment I want to pivot and try something else. So figuring that out is a top priority for me and finding something that I truly love that I can do, I guess, in my own time and carve my own path. And uh, so, yeah, I'm looking forward to all of those things because I finally feel good about moving forward and hopefully I can find someone who is as energetic and passionate and lovely and also has a great butt and, um, <laughs> and wants to I do, and fear do great for your together. future partner. Pardon? <laughs> I fear for your future partner and their life. Oh, Only no. because, like, <laughs> I feel like there there's some danger of asphyxiation in certain situations. Would you like to crack nuts, crack skulls? <laughs> I just want to. I just want you to come when this is all over. I'd like to bounce quarters off of your ass as a sport. <laughs> Can I be on your TikTok? <laughs> They've all asked, Marianne. Very few have made it onto the TikTok, but for you, always, anytime. Uh, can I just say how lovely it was to talk to you today? We, I mean, you and I used to work together. We used to see each other every single day and talk every single day. And then you uh, changed buildings, and then we kind of lost touch. So it was really nice to talk to you, Marianne. I love you. It makes me so happy to talk to you. And um, we're in the same city, so I would genuinely like to go for a drink with you when... All this shit show is okay, but don't ask me to go over. for a hike, okay? Because that's not happening. No, 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 that's, <laughs> that's fine. That's totally fine. Okay. And Hillary, I just absolutely love you so much, and Aww. I love you too. So. Uh, I don't want to make Sandra jealous, but there's a chance Marianne and I will see each other this week. <laughs> <laughs> I am jealous. Why would you say that? I am jealous, but you know, have a great time and uh, that's fine. That's fine. That's fine. But I just, I want you to know something. You will never get a better motorboat than for me. I'm just going to put that out there. Uh, lies. Uh, I am the queen of motorboating because I don't have the boobs. So I can motorboat her. She doesn't have to be the face. <laughs> it's interchangeable with you, I guess. Uh, love you both then. This episode is over, but the conversation doesn't have to be. Follow Hillary and Sandra on social. Instagram at Hillary on Air at Sandra Kiss1053. Twitter at Hillary Welch at Sandra Kiss1053. And on Facebook at Quick and Dirty Podcast. Got a question? Email Hillary and Sandra, the quick and the dirty at gmail.com. Don't forget, you can download the podcast each week to your mobile device to listen offline. Find The Quick and the Dirty on FrequencyPodcastNetwork.com, iTunes, or wherever you download your podcasts.